Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Yale Global Online is the flagship publication of the Yale Center for the Study of Globalization and explores the implications of the world's growing interconnectedness through people, products, and ideas. The article is titled, Life After the Nuclear Security Summits, Are We Safe? It's by Richard Weitz. He is a senior fellow and director of the Hudson Institute Center for Political Military Relations. Susan Frachel reads the article. Just before President Barack Obama hosted the last biennial nuclear security summit of his presidency, Belgian authorities reported chilling evidence. Affiliates of the terrorists who attacked the Brussels airport and subway system had also installed a surveillance camera outside the home of a senior nuclear worker. The incident follows other acts of sabotage and extremism within the country's nuclear industry, and it raises fears that terrorists want to cause a major nuclear accident or seize nuclear material that could perhaps be turned into a dirty bomb. The nuclear summits are among Obama's most successful national security innovations. They have made considerable progress in raising awareness about a post-Cold War danger and securing the measures to avert it. The discovery in Brussels serves as a reminder how serious this global threat remains. Since the end of the Cold War, a variety of terrorist groups have tried to obtain weapons of mass destruction. The threat has increased in recent years. The summits have reinforced a critical obstacle to this threat. The main impediment to nuclear terrorism is not in organizing an attack, designing a weapon, or recruiting volunteers willing to suffer martyrdom. It is obtaining the nuclear or radiological material needed to make an explosive device. The global stock of fissile material is enormous. The diversion of only a small amount of material would wreak havoc. The world has almost 2,000 metric tons of highly enriched uranium and separated plutonium. These materials could be used to manufacture about 100,000 nuclear bombs. By the end of 2014, the International Atomic Energy Agency had confirmed more than 2,700 incidents of illegal trafficking in nuclear and other radioactive material. The early summits concentrated on securing the direct use fissile materials, which terrorists or rogue states could employ to make nuclear weapons. More recently, the meetings also addressed the risks that terrorists might obtain more widely available radiological sources, such as cobalt-60, and combine them with conventional explosives for a dirty bomb. Although such a hybrid device would not kill as many people as a nuclear weapon, it would cause widespread chaos and impose severe economic costs, disrupting a major port or city. Recent summits have also addressed terrorist attacks on nuclear power plants, either directly or with cyber means. In each of the four summits, participating governments made non-binding commitments to augment their nuclear security regulations, and including measures to prevent trafficking, reduce use of fissile materials, elevate training of nuclear security personnel, 
and join international treaties and conventions on nuclear security. The progress is evident. The summits have seen more states participating and more voluntary contributions to enhance nuclear security. In addition, they have been augmented by related industry and NGO expert meetings. Since the summits began in April 2010, more than a dozen states and the entire South American continent have eliminated or removed all their weapons usable material. That's almost four tons worth. Hundreds of radiation detectors and other impediments to nuclear smuggling have been deployed. Furthermore, many inherently vulnerable research reactors have switched from using highly enriched uranium fuel to employing low enriched uranium. More than a dozen training centers of nuclear security excellence have been built, including those in Lithuania, Pakistan, and most recently in China. This last summit focused on building a strong post-summit nuclear security architecture based on other institutions and initiatives. Notably, the summit issued action plans for the nuclear security agendas of the United Nations and other institutions. The summit attendees have pledged to hold regular high-level meetings on the issue. However, doubt lingers whether nuclear security will see sustainable progress without the high-profile attention that the four heads of state summits provided. Furthermore, Russian opposition to the summits could weaken sustainable progress in countering nuclear terrorism. In the past, Russia and the United States cooperated on nuclear questions, even while in dispute over other issues. For a while, Russia and the West cooperated on Iran, North Korea, and other non-proliferation challenges. The previous summit in The Hague occurred just after Moscow's March 2014 annexation of the Crimea Peninsula, and the Russian delegation played an active part in the deliberations. But since the July 2015 nuclear agreement with Iran, Russian-U.S. differences have grown to match those in traditional arms control, terrorism, and regional security. Recent tensions have disrupted progress on nonproliferation and arms control, with Russian President Putin boycotting the most recent summit. The Russian government has raised substantive objections to continuing the summits, such as Moscow's sense that the U.S. and its allies were unduly limiting Russia's role and that the summits had outlived their usefulness. But the Russians likely boycotted the last summit to also retaliate against Obama's harder line against them, similar to how they banned the import of some EU goods in response to the European sanctions against Russia. With Russian-U.S. cooperation on nuclear security constrained, China may play a pivotal role in driving progress. A reluctant participant in early summits, China has become more enthusiastic about international cooperation on nuclear security. This follows the expansion of the terrorist threat inside China, the country's growing use of nuclear energy, and ambitions to export more nuclear services. Chinese policymakers now recognize that nuclear security offers opportunities for win-win solutions. Everyone would suffer from a major nuclear terrorist incident anywhere. In addition to enhancing its own security, 
Beijing has become a regime maker in the nuclear security domain. Unlike what has often happened in the past, such as with the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, when China had to accept the existing set of rules of the game to become a major player. In the relatively recent field of countering nuclear terrorism, China has been an equal founding partner in building the emerging system of rules and procedures. With China's help, nuclear security cooperation could remain a global priority. Otherwise, it may take a horrific and avoidable nuclear terrorist incident to reboot the process. Dr. Richard Weitz is a senior fellow and director of the Hudson Institute Center for Political Military Relations. He offers appreciation to the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation for supporting his research and writing on nonproliferation issues. This and other Yale Global articles can be found at yaleglobal.yale.edu.